welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast, brought to you by Rocket Agency. I'm your host, James Lawrence. Okay, so welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting on the pod, Ashton Bishop. Ashton, welcome. Thanks, James. Ashton is CEO at the Institute of Change since November 2020. Um, he's also CEO at Step Change for the past five years, which is one of Australia's highest regarded strategy consultancies. Um, in his time, uh, Step Change have worked with large brands like Primo, Pizza Hut, AGL, Mercer, but also a raft of smaller and mid-sized businesses, which I think is um, really interesting to get a, a kind of a um, perspective on a broader range of businesses. He's also been a Marketing Academy mentor for the past five years. I like this one, and I've seen Ashton speak. He's a three-time winner of Speaker of the Year at one of the world's number one CEO networks. You are very good when you're in full flight, Ashton, which I hope we get a little bit of today. Um, and the thing that I like the most is that he's pumping, he's pumping his wings up. Um, it isn't all theory. I think you, you've got the strategy, you've got the theory side of things, but um, you've actually been responsible for the rubber hitting the road, um, overseeing million-dollar campaigns that have hit market, creating billions of dollars of of, um, of sales and revenue for businesses for some of Australia's biggest brands. So Ashton, welcome to the pod. Today we're going to be discussing strategy. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to give you, maybe it's the easiest question or maybe it's the hardest question to start with. What is strategy? Yeah. So what is strategy? When I answer that question, I actually respond with a question, James, which is why do we need strategy? And if we get the answer to why do we need it, then we get a much better answer to what strategy is. And most organizations don't do strategy. They do like business planning and they sit there and they take last year's numbers and fiddle them by five to 7% and call it a strategic plan. And that doesn't work. And the reason that doesn't work is we don't understand why we need strategy. And we need strategy because we have scarce limited resources. And what are the resource limitations that every organization pushes up against? time dollars and focus like at some point <laughs> it doesn't matter who we are we run out of time dollars and focus and because those limited resources are scarce we then need strategy so what strategy strategy is a choice of the where and the how to apply those scarce resources for maximum leverage now that's easier to say and it's hard to do and it requires yep. the key part of strategy which is choice <laughs> so if we have a how and we have a choice, then we're probably in the world of strategy. And it arises when we can be less myopic than our competitors. It arises when we're prepared to say no to something. And it arises when we can focus in on that critical point. Love it. Love it. That's awesome. What do what the best businesses do that are using strategy effectively versus the symptoms of organizations that are just not, not doing it? So. What, what makes good versus bad strategy is yeah, that or non-existent strategy there? i guess well, yeah yeah so as we said a lot of businesses don't actually do strategy but they pretend that they do they have strategic planning sessions and strategic steering committees and people with strategy in their titles yet they actually haven't gone back and says why do we need strategy what is it so they start doing other things so what do they do they do business plannings and optimizations they do every child wins a prize where they go oh and you can have this and you can have that and we'll just get a show bag full of shit and see what happens right yeah the other thing that they sometimes do is what we call cherry on a mud pie <laughs> where they just ignore what's happened and they put the shiny thing on and it still tastes rubbish or the uh 
they do the, the rah-rah, right? So somebody's been to Anthony Robbins and they go, our strategy is to try harder and smash the competition. Because right now I love Robbins and there's a time for focused application of will, but it's that old conundrum, oh, strategy, it's culture for breakfast. Like what nonsense, right? Yeah. If you've got a great culture, but you don't know what you're doing, you'll all run off a cliff together, i.e. Yep. we work. Right. I don't know if you've seen the We Crash debacle, but that's an example of a really inspired culture that didn't have a sound strategy underneath and they ran straight off a cliff. Or if you don't have a culture and you've got a great strategic plan, it ends up in the bottom drawer rather than the bottom line. Yeah. So other strategy flaws are objective masquerading as strategy. I've had business owners literally sit down with me and say, but we don't need this strategy stuff. I've got a strategy. We're going to double our business over the next 12 months. That's not a strategy. It's an objective, right? So what, what does good strategy do? It's, it arises out of context. Uh, so we know where we are. We know what are the forces. We're looking for the opportunities and challenges. Then it makes a diagnosis. <laughs> then it sets objectives. And then it makes choices, right? So Back to your question, what does a good strategy look like? We've looked at the context. We, we understand the opportunities and challenges that are time critical. We've made a diagnosis so we know what's going on. And then we start to make coordinated cascading nice. choices. That's okay. really so it. It's, it's the how. Yeah, it's, it's it, yeah, brilliant, James. So in a word, it's the how. And in, you know whether you've got a strategy or not, whether you've got a clear how yeah, that's, that's made it. choice. I think I suspect we'll, we'll have a similar perspective on this, which is, the, the audience on this pod are marketers, Australian marketers. What I find is that <laughs> everyone's a marketer, everyone's got an opinion and there's <laughs> almost infinite choice, right? In terms of yeah. whether you, uh, you've got a marketing budget for a year, you may or may not have some targets or objectives. Is it above the line? Is it below the line? Mm-hmm. Is it digital? Is it offline? If it's digital, is it Google? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Um, every non-marketer in an organization has the right idea of what we should be doing to, 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 <laughs> to, to drive success. I kind of feel that um, in many ways, marketing is, is the ultimate area where you've got infinite choices to how to get somewhere. Um, and yeah. so therefore, if, if strategy is the how, there's probably no area that needs a strategy more than marketing. Maybe just yeah. talk about what works with marketing planning. And yeah. I think the thing that I'm interested in is for you to talk about the intersection of business strategy, overall business mm-hmm. direction, and where marketing drops into that. I think often um, at Rocket, we're a digital agency. So we're probably, we're driving business goals, revenue, sales, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But often we're doing it at a more tactical level within Google or within social. But I think where you're operating is probably a little bit at that intersection of um, business strategy, marketing strategy. Like how do the two relate and what, what, what are generally the, the things that work? Yeah, and it's such a great question, James. It's actually how we arrived at business strategy. And we do the business strategy for some major ASX, some international blue chips. Like, so we've flown all around the world doing business strategy, but we started in value propositions. Good journey. Which is, we got really great at that, but it's, it's actually a rubbish business model because if you become very, very good at a value proposition, people go, oh, that was so good. I'm calling clients up four years later and going, you know that, that testimonial gave us that said that was the best day we ever spent on our business. Maybe we should spend another day. They're like, are you kidding? Like that value proposition's rock solid. We're just taking that to market and leveraging it. So <laughs> doing value propositions isn't a great business model. So then we did marketing planning. And what we found very quickly that it's very, very hard to do marketing planning without 
an understanding of a proper business strategy because we don't know what we're delivering on. We don't know the objectives. And I like your point there around infinite choices, maybe not infinite, but the last time we did a count on media, there was something like 543 different media channels and options to yeah. buy. And which one's right? The answer is yes. And it comes back to your objective. So look, when it comes to strategies in marketing, we have a very particular way that we go about it. Yes, you must do a context scan, right? And what people get, and one of the hard messages I often deliver to business owners is that if you're doing a SWOT, you're not doing strategy, right? And people don't like that and they get quite affronted and there's quite a jar. But the answer to that's very simple is that most opportunities and challenges are time critical. A SWOT misses a time critical lens. So <laughs> that's, that's the truth of it. And sometimes the truth isn't always appealing, but you must start by really understanding what are the opportunities and challenges because most of what seems like luck is actually great timing. And we can't underestimate or undercook the importance of opportunities and challenges being. Did you unpack critical. that a little bit in terms yeah. of a SWOT not being timed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's talk about that. Absolutely. Well, there's actually sort of five reasons why, <laughs> why if you're using a SWOT, you're, 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 not, you're not doing strategy. Now, the first thing is, is a SWOT has become almost like a cliche and, and how do businesses do it? They grab last year's SWOT, they get one of the junior team members to go say, can you go and update, update the SWOT? And they go to update the SWOT, not to understand the context. Mm. <laughs> and like all things in life, it's intention that's critical. And if you go to update a SWOT, but you don't understand that you're looking to understand context, what do you do? You put opportunities, technology, threats, technology, yeah. right? So it becomes a nonsense. The second thing is, is you get generic words. So you get words like technology and what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. So it's not specific enough and it doesn't ask very pointed, challenging questions. Now, the other thing about a SWOT is that sometimes you get, I've seen SWOTs that are 15 pages. What do you have when you have 15 pages? You've got basically a show bag full of shit, yep. right? You don't know which way's up. But the most important thing that I mentioned about a SWOT is it doesn't have a time critical lens. Now we work a lot with futurists and when it comes to futurists, there was a study done by a guy called Tetlock and he looked at something like 82,000 predictions and he got thought leaders and experts and he asked them to make predictions about the future. And effectively, if you take a thought leader or an expert and you project them out, after you get past about 12 months, so short term, they're very valuable. Three to six months, see an expert. Over a 12 month period, an expert is slightly less accurate than a chimp tossing a coin, <laughs> right? And the reason for that is ego and hubris and they get stuck, right? So the further out it goes, the less we can accurately predict. So when we work with futurists, we say a thousand days is basically the longest timeline that you would imagine really having confidence because with any fact or attribute, we're saying, well, how likely is this to hit? If it hits, what's going to be its impact? So we're looking at the strategic significance, the materiality and the commerciality of it. So as we go through and we start to weight things, the longer it goes, the less accurate it is. So we built this tool called a strategic radar and we say, look, the action zone's a thousand yeah. days. Within a thousand days, what can we do now? If it's going to hit within a thousand days, let's act now. Let's get the brief in now. Let's start testing it now. It's our action zone. Three to five years, we call that no man's land. Right. Why? Because it's easier to say something's going to hit in that. Now, if you work in capital or industry, of course, you need to, to plan in that. 
if you're in a service business, if you're in a much more agile industry, pull it out of no man's land and either put it in the thousand day action zone or push it out to the seven to 10 years. Like if you look at when jobs return to Apple, what do you do? Slice the range by 70 to 80%, right? Got very, got out of printers, got out of service, got very clear on the now and then started to resource for the iRevolution, right? The iPhone, the iPod, it was just internet, yeah. right? He could see the connectedness coming and he prepared the resources for so that. That's, so that's what we need to do. And that's a looser vision as to, you know, five to 10 years, this is where we want to be. But in terms of the, anything practical to move us towards that, we're looking within three years kind of thing. And that's exactly the right way to think about it, James. All right, what can we do now? And then what are the eyes on the future? And all strategy that's effective should be to speed. And that goes for business strategy and it goes for marketing strategy, right? And what does that mean? It means you've got the first horizon, which is optimize and crystallize value, right? So we should be always looking in any strategic planning cycle. And even though we plan for a thousand days, we don't then sit on our hands. We do a thousand day plan with quarterly reviews, right? The annual planning cycle is such nonsense because it assumes that for 12 months, nothing's going to change, yeah. right? And, and the biggest screw-ups in business and political and marketing history is not stupid people doing stupid things. It's applying a previously sound concept to a changed context, mm. right? You look at that time and time again. It wasn't dumb people doing dumb things. It was taking a strategy from the past and not realizing that things had changed. First horizon, short term, second horizon being that Steve Jobs vision into the AI revolution type thing. Yeah. So horizon one is how do we optimize for today and either extract greater, greater efficiency or deliver extract more value? And that fuels horizon two. And horizon two says, what is value going to look like in the future? And what are the capabilities or the innovations that we need to develop now to equip for horizon yeah, two? I like it. Right. And, that, and that's the, the two speed. And if you look in a marketing context, probably the, the gold standard in effectiveness is the work from Field and Burnett. And they talk about the conversion of short-term opportunities as being that sort of six-month window. And if you go on activation, bang, mm. right? Your sales will go up, you stop and they drop off. So over that six-month window, if you're going to activate with, your tactical ads, conversion-based stuff, that will work. <laughs> but you turn it off and it yeah. stops. If you want to, so that's offers and activations and crystallizations. Yeah. If you're looking at how you really grow your brand, how you get loyalty, how you get referrals, how you sell on value beyond price, that's actually a six to 18-month window, which is the awareness, that top of funnel yeah. piece, right? And marketers who think the answer's only in one get it wrong consistently. We see that like time and time again, right? I think we, we've, we've talked historically about it, but we've talked with other guests on the pod where we came into digital and through digital very much from a performance viewpoint. Google ads, you know, let's outperform your low pages, let's outperform, um, you know, billboards on Parramatta Road. Yes. We used to really turn our nose up at um, anyone that talked about brand and we would say they're hiding behind vanity metrics. Yes. But we've come full circle on that and our best performing clients always, like always have really strong long-term um, brand activity happening. And then you have campaigns and demand gen and lead gen running underneath that and they both just feed each other and there's just yep. no way of, of 
it's, it's it works every time <laughs> it's the only way to get it happening yes right the answer is yes yeah. and when you look at and and i'm really glad you shared that story there james because that's what all the data and research tells us right is the cumulative effect of being able to hold both not as competing lack of focus but as complementary based on some very sensible marketing objectives of what we're trying to achieve uh then of of course it's going to outperform. Good. Can you, um, we run EOS in the agency. I don't know you'd, you'd be yeah, familiar yeah. with it in terms of yeah, quarterly kind of kind of have your long-term vision, your three year, mm-hmm. which is probably quite similar, right? You have your three year um, plan as to where you're going. And then every quarter you're kind of resetting. Yeah. And so I think it's kind of, kind of overlays nicely with that. Um, when you're putting a plan together for a business or when you're putting a marketing strategy together mm-hmm. or when you're reviewing one, or I'm sure there's, um, different ways it happens but is that always the best way so roughly a three-year or a thousand day longer term plan on where we're going and then just quarterly reviews locked in absolutely so start with context review always looking for opportunities and challenges core diagnosis into objectives and then the choices to hit those one of the things that we haven't talked about that we always do that is like it's often fun working with step change. We come in in those moments of change, moments of transition. We sometimes don't have to deal with the history, <laughs> the politics <laughs> or the past. We get people offsite and we get to go whooshka, right? So that's fun. This bit isn't. And, <laughs> and what we do is, is we do a, a customer we do we do a customer journey step through. And sometimes it's six parts, right? So from find out, address concerns, the sale, the delivery, the follow-up, the ongoing, right? So we do either a six-part or sometimes it's a 10 to 12-part, depending how sophisticated the business is. But we basically put up all of what's been done in the past, (laughs) all of the contact information, and we put it up on a wall and we actually lovingly get the business (laughs) to see what it's like from a customer's point of view. And any sort of sensible tracking or reporting goes through your funnel metrics, right? From suspect to prospect to lead to customer to customer lifetime value, et cetera. And looking at the drop-off that happens between those becomes just as obvious as the Mm. nose on your face when you see it up on the wall, right? We've got massive gaps around, you know, most businesses, (laughs) most businesses say, oh, referrals are critical to our business. What's your referral strategy? what are you talking about, right? I said, there's 12, there's 12 different referral strategies <laughs> depending on the nature of your business, your customers, and which, which ones are you activating? And it just, it just makes no sense, right? But when you put it up on the wall and they actually see the gaps, when they see what's still happening that they thought they'd stopped five years ago, right? It just, just, just becomes mm. a wonderful truth. And that's what businesses often want, right? They're unable to make change. They're unable to make step changes if they're not aligned on the truth. And when you actually put it up on the wall and you go yeah. through every single piece <laughs> and you go, did this work? And often the, the answer is, I don't know. Why? Because I didn't track it. <laughs> so we either go stop it, <laughs> track it, or more of that, please, depending yeah. on what the numbers tell us, depending on what the data tells us. So an actual audit like that yeah, it's painful. You've got to be prepared to go there. But once you've, you've gone there, James, you can then look to optimize that journey. And that's where you get some quick wins and you also identify your must wins. And then that feeds into 
your thousand day plan. And, and a lot of it, yes, there's sometimes a campaign that we turn on, but a lot of the time the business just needs to get the fundamentals right. And, and you know, the, is it getting easier in a digital space? No, it's getting harder. Yeah. So you've you got to have your right. fundamentals right. The, just that, it's what you say no to, not what you say yes to, I think, that actually drives success a lot of the time. And that's, that's a critical point. James, just to hit it home, you said yeah. it's, it's what we say no to, right? That, that links back and shows your inherent understanding of the why of strategy. And my favorite jobs quote, and he's like Einstein, he's massively overquoted. He says, I'm so incredibly proud of everything we did and achieved at Apple. I'm even more proud of what we had the courage to say no to, right? And when, when you let that sit, uh, you know, it, it's the hardest thing. And people don't want to do that. That's why they do every child wins a prize because when you make a choice, you're faced with this conundrum, right? So if, if we say A and B choose, right? And A's chocolate and B's vanilla, it's like oh, <laughs> chocolate, right? Every time. Or if I say <laughs> A and B choose, right? Yeah, A and B choose and one's a hundred dollars and one's a punch in the face, right? Pretty easy to make that choice. But often when I'm saying outdoor or radio, the moment I choose one, <laughs> mm. I'm present to the loss of the other. And in the way we experience things, we experience a loss yeah. as one and a half the equivalent gain. So it's behavioral economics. So the moment we choose something, we give up something else. We feel that pain now, <laughs> But the payoff for what we chose yep. comes when? In the future. And it's inherently uncertain. Mm -hmm. And that's why businesses don't do strategy because they're upsetting somebody. They're, they're taking something away from someone yep. and they're feeling that pain now. And that takes great leadership. It takes great courage. And most businesses don't. So they compromise. And, and that's the difference between what you were talking about around that two-speed thing, right? Where I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm true to each rather than that compromise of, Oh, I can't really decide, so I'm just gonna do it. Yeah, that's it. Do half the half the radio and half the outdoor, and do it do it bit poorly, and I think that's good. That kind of ties nicely where I wanted the conversation to go next, which is, I think there's um, and probably more from the big consulting end of town, but this kind of concept that you pay a fortune for strategy, and by the time it's published, it's obsolete and it never gets stuck to, and whatever else. Practically speaking, what are the best strategies you've seen like are we talking a 150 page business strategy for for the next three years and a 200 page marketing it's a highly leading question <laughs> and, and a 200 page marketing strategy for the next hundred day, a thousand days but just talk to me like what what makes a good strategy in terms of a business strategy and a marketing strategy yeah look it, it's it's got to be quick and because we have a blue chip client suite and i won't name the top end of town but <laughs> once i saw a 250 page document that told me a client exactly why they were where they were and gave no insight to where they want to go, right? Major issue, right? And that was for Foxtel at the time, right? <laughs> Terrible. The other time a, uh, a multinational came to us and our client is a, is a good friend and she's gone, ah, we've had one of the, insert major there, come in. They've given us 110 strategic initiatives that we must win. Can you tell me where to start? Because when you've got 110 things, what do you have? You have nothing. So what we output, a one-page strategic plan, right? <laughs> what are my goals? What are my themes? What are my shifts? What are my coordinated actions? 
the one page strategic plan then comes with a, a document of how we got to where we got to. Now, you do need to have good thinking. You do need to have gone through your audit. You do need to have a robustness of thought because it's science meets art, right? We need to have creative solutions, but it must be based on fact and insight. But the key bit is we now don't focus on delivering a document. We go, here's your one page plan. Here's how we got there. But the magic comes within putting it in a platform like a monday.com or a Trello, right? And an output for a thousand day plan is somewhere between seven to probably about 15 coordinated actions that need to be built over a thousand days. And then you go through saying, who's got it? <laughs> when are they going to do it? How much does it cost? And how do we get in action now? And being reviewed every three months. Absolutely, right? And that's, that's to that discipline of having the right cadence. And we actually recommend, yes, a quarterly review, but fortnightly to every three-week tracking sessions. Right? There's got to be evidence of, of progress. And they don't need to be long meetings, but they do need to be, here's what I've done, here's what I'm going to do, and here's where I'm stuck. And sometimes you need to prioritize on the plot. Yeah, that's very much how we run our business, right, is through EOS. Um, you've got your, your long-term um, direction yeah. of where you're going. Um, but then, yeah, quarterly, quarterly planning, rocks in every division, saying no to a whole bunch of things we could be doing and focusing on the three to five things that will take us to where we need to get to um, and then checking in, right? Checking in yep. different teams, whether it's weekly or fortnightly or monthly, depending on what's ongoing work versus longer term work. The um, the thing I do want to unpack a little bit, I think for, for the audience specifically is um, I'm a marketer in an Australian business and you know, I think those the the dynamics of, of those organisations quite well, and obviously different organisations are different. But mm. how do you align marketing strategy with business strategy? Budgets being imposed on you, budgets being unrealistic, um, sales departments blaming marketing, budget being taken away from marketing departments. Like, what are some practical ways of trying to align? my day-to-day -day as a marketer and how I'm being judged on monthly and you know mm -hmm. it probably, probably is monthly results or quarterly results and there probably is some kind of annual planning session a uh, planning session leading for annual goals what, what are some ways of navigating that and trying to um to, to thrive in that kind of context yeah look I think the health of any business really sits between two metrics and if you're a marketer who shows up with vanity metrics going, oh, we got this many clicks on our website or I got that many likes or this many reshares, then you're, you're headed for trouble. <laughs> yeah. Like you're not going to change the board. <laughs> you're not going to change the executive. You're not going to change the CFO. So you have to go to their world and use their map of the world if you're going to get better outcomes. So a business lives between two metrics, cost to acquire a customer and customer lifetime value. And it's worth knowing, I think BRW did a stat that said the cost to acquire a customer is something like $543 across industries and sectors. So does that mean that number's right for your sector? Absolutely not. <laughs> is it a sensible start point though? So you've got you know, very technical sales that go into the thousands of dollars. So we want to lower our cost to acquire while increasing our customer lifetime value. And a business that understands those two metrics and coordinates the activities that brings cost to acquire down while driving customer lifetime value up is a healthy business. Yep. They can scale with confidence 
and that and that's how they win. Now, a marketer must get a seat at the business strategy table. They must understand the business strategy and they must engage with it in a meaningful way. Because if they don't understand it, the ability for marketing to contribute to that basically disappears. Yeah. Then you've got to pull out some sensible benchmarks. Now, Field and Burnett is, it's been poked at, it's been prodded, it stands. <laughs> and Field and Burnett says, yes, we need activation to draw, draw, go well in the next six months. So we have to have, but we must contribute to a brand building if we want to fight on value. So if a business is concerned about margin, you must invest in brand. And there's rules of thumb that really help. So that's all I'm saying around cost to acquire, rule of thumb. You know, Jay Abraham, very rough, but you go four to 7% of net revenue to stand still, seven to 13% if you want a step change. Hmm. And all of the research around, if you want market share, you must sustain market share of voice. That's how good media agencies plan. They look at the business outcome, <laughs> look at the ratios of share of wallet and the translation to share of voice, and they give a modicum of, com of comfort that that's how we plan. If you just turn up with, here's what I reckon, it's going to go really badly. So if your business is building its business strategy on numbers and benchmarks, then you've got to get your own numbers and benchmarks and see how you can outperform industry. I think that's awesome. And that it's very much in line with what we see. The best performing marketers that we work with are the ones that have a seat at the business table, understand business, report back on business, focus on business numbers. But then when they're working yeah. in their team, then of course those vanity metrics can be important to drive the business numbers, but by themselves, not enough. And, and one of the things just as, as a language, and I love what you, you said there around the sort of the, the lexicon of the language of business, with our digital reporting that we do for ourselves and we often set up for our clients, uh, we, we banned the, the classic digital report and we now talk about a digital balance sheet, which is actually our digital ecosystem it says as a snapshot in time, what are all the digital assets? And, and I'm talking about, yes, the classics like database and website and YouTube, but the other platforms and things that we pay for. So all my money that gets invested into my digital ecosystem, how does that look on a page? So we show one page that has everything connected and weighted. So that's my digital balance sheet. And then my digital PL, right? How many new contacts this month? And you know, platforms like HubSpot that track that all the way through allow you to work back from who is your most valuable customer and what was their journey on the way. Yeah. And I mean, we've done uh, under the old step change, something like 400, 400 blog posts <laughs> over the best part of a decade. And it wasn't 80, 20 rule yeah. where 20% of those, it was like about 10, <laughs> yeah. like 10 10 blog posts out of 400, those were the ones that our highest value customers had been on. And out of the 10 that were really performing, uh, one of them was about uh, basically indexed really highly for students in Uganda, <laughs> where somehow got around a, a student community. So they were downloading it. So not really commercially valuable. Yeah. And the other one was we did an archetypes piece and became world leading experts on brand archetypes that just meant every agency in the world was downloading our archetypes book and no clients, right? So we've gone from 10 down to eight. So out of 400, it was only eight, yeah. eight blog posts that, that generated all of our engagement. It's quite typical. I mean, we, we were getting off track, but yeah, one of our big pieces when we start working with a client 
um, from an SEO viewpoint is a massive content audit. Yeah. And it is often consolidating, um, reducing, reducing content a lot of the time. And it is, it's not the 80, 20 rule. Yeah. It's the 90, 10 rule or the 95, five rule, <laughs> which is, which is kind of funny. I think the, um, I think the other thing about obviously speaking business numbers, demanding from the business, what mm -hmm. does success look like? Where are we going? Like, what is the business strategy? Um, then getting buy-in on, okay, this is the marketing strategy, which we all agree on in the call light of day will, will get us to where we need to get to yeah. because that then empowers you to say no. What I see is when you're in this kind of quarterly, we're trying to hit these numbers, we're trying to hit these numbers, that's when you start going, well, why aren't we doing Google Ads or why aren't we doing outdoor or why aren't we doing radio or why isn't the creative different as opposed to just going, well, it's all irrelevant, it's all noise because we've all agreed this is where we're going and this is the step, this is the how to get there. Yeah. Um, and just <laughs> every other non-marketer in the business, take your marketing hat off, we've got this. What I wanted to, just in terms of, um, like I know you guys do this as a, as a service offering, but if listeners to the pod are looking on ways to just de de better understand the space, frameworks, marketing strategy, business strategy, just places you could point them, whether it's whether it's practical stuff or whether it's theory, just things that you have found really useful in your career? Yeah, so a couple of things that are really useful is uh, follow Mark Ritson, right? He's, <laughs> he's, he's so good. He's so good. But he, he's brilliant. When it comes to strategy, though, you can't go past good strategy, bad strategy, Richard P. Rimmel. It is the classic on how to define and divine a great strategy. Yeah. One of the things that's actually I found really interesting in the link between strategy and marketing was actually going back to the principles of lean. Now, the the startup community and the software dev and the DevOps, they get really excited about agile. Yeah. I go, agile, like it's Kanban, it's Scrum. You go, well, actually, it's it's not it arrived at derived out of lean. <laughs> and if you go back to Edward Demi and Togiono, and you look back at the origins of Lean, they really had two intentions, right? We want to maximize the value customers receive while minimizing waste. And that's a really great test for a marketer. And the four things that Lean introduces from a principal point of view are Jaduka, is the scoreboard visible? And you already talked about that, saying, can I take my business strategy and set up a sensible scoreboard for marketing? Jensi mm. Jimbutsu, go to the source. Do we have insights and are we getting to the truth of something? Muda, elimination of waste. And right, you just said it then, James. We go through, we audit, and then we cut back the distractions and the noise. And then for Kaizen, which is continuous improvement, and certainly from a marketing point of view, I don't know many marketers who are doing well that don't have a very sensible, robust strategy around their marketing automation system, mm -hmm. right? Because that's how you align sales and marketing. And if you don't have sales and marketing linked, and when we do our marketing planning, we actually call it go-to-market planning, and we get, yes, the business executives, we get marketing and sales in the same room and get them completely aligned on that journey. Yeah. Right, because it was, you know, effectively Zappos who said, if you see sales and marketing as separate functions, you've already lost. <laughs> Your job is to serve the customer. <laughs> yeah. And if you do that, you can win. So we built a framework called uh, Exponential Marketing or Marketing 2.0. So we had a landing page on that that has all of the different components uh, that organizations need to go through. It's basically a free download. So people can can grab that 
watch the videos, get started and start to get their organizations aligned. Give us a plug on that one. Where, where's it located? On the step change site or? Uh, so, yeah, I can send you the link, James, yeah. but it's basically your yeah, hello step change forward slash uh, exponential yeah. uh, so, or exponential marketing, our marketing 2.0. So we studied what do the most successful marketing companies in the world successfully do and especially in moments of marketing transition and we built out a framework from all our customers who'd successfully <laughs> successfully achieved results and it just it steps through so it allows you to have tools and insights around understanding your market identifying customers generating insights doing an audit starting to build those foundations and you know a client that comes to you after doing that thinking yeah. <laughs> you'll be able to help them right because right. it's coordinated and it, yeah i think from um from a rocket perspective we do our best work when clients have those ducks in a row right it becomes very difficult when the when the uh, when the when success is always shifting yeah and and that's the you know it's it's part of the solution and you know the moment anyone says that they've got all the answers <laughs> next because they don't right? it really is about that ecosystem and working in harmony and coming back to the customer. Legend, Ashton. Um, I've been madly scribbling notes here. Um, it's been a great, great conversation. I want to have you back on the pod because I think there's a lot more ground that we could cover. But I think the um, strategy, we're all limited, time, dollar, focus. Strategy being the where and the how. Um, I love the two-speed two strategy stuff. I think it resonates from a business viewpoint, like control what you can control, but also don't lose sight of where we are trying to go big picture. Yes. But I think from a marketing standpoint, it's so true and true of the campaigns and clients that we do our best work for. Um, I love the idea around the, the more you invest in brand, you can expect better margin. Mm -hmm. Something I haven't really thought of in, in that way before. Um, having some percentages on whether you want to maintain your position in the market or grow your position. I think having that and trying to tie it to actual business revenue turnover, the market, as opposed to often we get down in this, we're just being given budget that we think is okay to drive some sales, which yeah. is probably a different way of viewing it. Two questions, two last questions, two easy ones. Yeah. Um, well, maybe not that easy. First of all, what's the one piece of marketing advice that you'd give to an Australian in-house marketer? Career advice. The career advice for them. Yeah. So, so the career advice I'd give to a marketer is get, get interested in business and the way it's going. And one of the interesting things we've seen, and I got, got to interview things. So uh, Salim Ismail out of Singularity University said the next generation of businesses that plan put the word data <laughs> in the middle of a page and then ask two questions. Can I get the data? Can I use the data? And marketers no matter how creative they want to be, they have to come from a place of understanding data and answering those two questions. Can I get it? Can they use it? So I'd have a look at Singularity University and I'd get really interested into yeah. no matter where I am, how can I springboard from the data to use that for value? Love it. And the last question is where can we find you? So uh, Step Change. So hellostepchange.com is our website. On there, we've got a heap of information around uh, strategy, around marketing, around communications. But the, the particular tool that you'd be really interested out of today is that exponential marketing or marketing 2.0. So jump onto our website, which is hellostepchange.com. And then from there, you can have a look around and yeah, 
if, if, you, if you can't find what you're using for, uh, tap the bot and <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll respond. Um, legend, thanks so much for coming on to the pod. Lots of awesome takeaways. I've learned some stuff, which is, which is excellent as well. Um, and hope to have you back one day. Yeah, thanks so much, James. Really appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, love, love the chat. I think, I think we're only just getting started. Legend. Thanks, Ashton. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Stay up to date about new episodes on LinkedIn and Instagram by searching for Smarter Marketer podcast. You can purchase your own copy of Smarter Marketer via the Amazon website. And if you want a second opinion about your business's approach to digital marketing, send me an email, jamesl at rocketagency.com.au or visit the rocketagency.com.au website. Thanks for your time.